Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Both of my kids are down with strep this week. And it was, uh, it was a great week. And now I, th- I think I have it. I might. I might not. I don't know. According to uh, former president, if you don't test, you don't have it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to test. Anyway, uh, but it's been a heck of a week. I've got Amanda Pyle on this week. Yep. Music stopped. Uh, that is not um, an indication of how this interview went. I had a lot of fun with Amanda. We recorded this over a month ago, about six weeks ago, and got to know her really well and some of the some of the cool things that she does just as an educator. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Um, eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's That's what I got out of that conversation. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. So, you know, don't rush into things. It'll make sense once you listen to the full conversation. Uh, <clears throat> I also um, uh, did some work this past week. Well, let me get to the Royal Rumble first. Uh, last Saturday, a week ago as I record this, I went with Jay Thomas and uh, the head band director from Dulles High School, who I don't expect people to know. But uh, I went with them to San Antonio. We drove over there, watched four hours plus of wrestling, uh, sweaty men and women in spandex fighting over a belt. And then we drove back and it was glorious. It was a lot of fun. We were old men just able to, you know, uh, to, to, to live their best life for a day. So we had a great time at the Royal Rumble. It wasn't WrestleMania. It was the, it begins the road to WrestleMania. So those people that were like, hope you had fun at WrestleMania. It's because I posted a picture with, Cody Rhodes pointing at a WrestleMania sign just to indicate this is where I'm headed now that I have won this match. More on that later. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I also, this week, a couple things happened to me that was kind of crazy. Uh, um, I I was well, also, oh, Tom Brady retired. All right, cool, moving on. Um, I, I was sitting in my daughter's Taekwondo class this is days after she started her antibiotic. Don't don't get in a in a tithy. And uh, I got an email from someone that uh, emailed me through my website, which doesn't happen very often, where I get legitimate emails through my website. Uh, I do get spam from there, but that's just that goes with the territory. But anyway, so I get a legitimate email that says I need or uh, I have a director that needs help, and I apologize for the sniffles. And so. Uh, long story short, through some communication and such, it was very quick communication. Uh, I ended up at a school, uh, that evening to help out with some issues they were having with lighting. And, uh, there, there are two things I took away from this. Number one, the positive first, the person I was helping was not one of the theater teachers. Um, they had a a concert that happening the next evening that they were getting lighting ready for, and they had rented some lighting from a place that is not a lighting rental company. It's a place that just is capitalizing on the needs of some people and renting out the cheapest plastic pieces of crap you'll ever see that happened to put out a little bit of light. And this teacher knew that these were not like the the high industry lights, but they were cheap and they were doing what they wanted them to do. So I helped, uh, this teacher, uh, get through some issues with the light board and ion XE, and they had already taught themselves within 24 hours, how to like program a bunch of cues. And they were actually really pretty cues. Uh, you know, there are a couple things that you could tell they're not a lighting designer. They have a background, but really for what it needed to be, it was great. Uh, the issue was, is when I started to, uh, assess the situation, um, I came across a couple of moving lights that were hand tightened to a pipe and, uh, didn't have any, any bolts that were actually tight, that were actually, um, secure. And I don't know if you know this, but when a moving light moves, 
uh, if everything is loose, then the entire light moves, right? The head of the moving light is supposed to move. The base of the moving light is not. So um, we fixed it, right? But it it dawned on me, as it dawns on me every time I enter a place, a school, an educational entity, even if it's just some warehouse, um, if you don't have the proper wherewithal or the proper training or anything like that. And your first instinct is to use a piece of equipment that you're not quite sure how it works and hang it above people's heads and not be a hundred percent certain if you did that correctly. And it's looser than a six year old's first tooth. Then don't do it. I don't understand why why people um, get themselves in these situations where it could end horribly. This is the second week in a row where rigging has been something that was literally just a split second away from being catastrophic. If you don't know how to do something especially something where you get a weird feeling in your stomach that that you might hurt someone um, as a result of your inexperience, then don't do it. Find an alternative or hire somebody to come in that knows what they're doing. I was happy to get paid to tighten some bolts. I, I have no problem doing that. It is it it doesn't anger me if you bring me in to help with lighting or sound or scenery um and say, Hey, we don't know what we're doing. Would you mind helping us? That's the whole point of being an educator. It you don't have to be a classroom educator to be in education. You just have to be someone that takes the time and has the patience and cares about the well-being of those people that are affected by any uh, decision you make. And so I took the time to show him what what was up and what was wrong. I didn't accuse him of anything. Um, I made sure that that he knew, you know, hey, this is what's happening. Uh, And, you know, safety cables were attached and everything like that. But it was it was rather it was bad. Um, and, uh, embarrassing. And the only reason I fixed it was because I saw it and I become responsible for that. And it becomes, uh, my integrity, if you will, if somebody were to ever say, Hey, Blake, Blake helped us, uh, get some of this stuff figured out. And all of a sudden a light falls. Um, that's not good. So I didn't put my hands on every single light on that particular electric. I did. But there were two other electrics. So God only knows uh, what's above them, what's above these kids that are performing. And it's really unfortunate. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but I, I'm disappointed by people. And I know a lot of people don't listen to this podcast. Not enough to make a difference, I don't think. Uh, but if you are uh, an educator and you have a weakness, I have a weakness. I have many, we- I, I, I have more than one, but I recognize my weaknesses and I either try to make them stronger, make them uh, better than a weakness or improve upon them. Or I, I understand that I'm probably never going to have the passion or drive to change said weakness and fix it. So I'm going to make sure that when I'm confronted with a situation that really relies on one of my weaknesses, I'm going to ask somebody or hire somebody to make sure that I am not held accountable for something that could potentially be very dangerous. We flew people during Beauty and the Beast in November. I know how to do it, but I don't have the equipment or the superior knowledge of ZFX. So you know what I'm not going to do? Hang a rope from our catwalk and say, Hey beast, um, at this point in the song, we're going to lift you from this nylon rope and, uh, it's going to look really cool because the lights are going to flash and there's going to be smoke. 
Nope, I'm going to hire somebody to do that, right? That's an extreme example, but it's an example nonetheless. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to be done with this. Um I do want to say I put it out there on the UIL page. You know, I want to be a clinician. I actually the few times that I've done it sort of loosely, uh, unofficially, if you will, I had a really good time. I really enjoy being a clinician for students and I don't have to just be, I'm not, you know, I I have an acting and directing background, but that's not my specialty. That's a weakness, right? But those are ones that I like to improve upon. Also, they're not detrimental, really. They're artistic, but I, I, I have a different type a set of skills right you know like a mel edwards um uh well there there are even people like a cheryl painter even who's with mel um like a mandy uh well all the mandys but i i want to be out there being a clinician so if you do need somebody or if you just need somebody to stop by i've already done it actually a couple times um just to kind of give another eyeball to a situation I've helped quite a few people via Facebook, uh, like Messenger and things like that. Uh, I can name three people from just this week that have reached out. I love doing that. I'm happy to help. Um, So please reach out to me. I'm happy to help you. Um, Again, uh, sorry, uh, Amanda, but I had to speak. Yo, 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 let me speak on this. As the great Scott Hall used to say. Uh, No, that wasn't Scott Hall. Oh, my gosh. That was Conan. Yo, 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 let me speak on this. Uh, All right. Uh, Enjoy this week's um, uh, interview with Amanda Pyle. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to leave a a link in the profile of this particular uh, interview because we discussed uh, uh, a a Texas political, uh, something that happened with uh, uh, Kirby versus Edgewood ISD. Um, and you know, that's about it. So I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Musical season is wrapping up and UIL season is hitting the ground running. I appreciate you being patient with this long introduction, but you're going to love this interview with Amanda Pyle. Follow me on the Facebook, friend me, buy a shirt, whatever. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy. I have always been a theater nut. Um, when growing up in my family, I'm the youngest. And so both of my parents and my older brother are all engineers. And so I was the little (laughs) weirdo in the family that was like, I love to sing and dance and act and be on stage. And so my mother noticed that pretty quickly when I was little and in kindergarten put me in the church children's choir and it was all over from there. I got cast as the spotted lamb in the Christmas church play. And, uh, that was the lead role. And I, I was, I was done in at that point in first grade, I was the hermit crab in the play about the hermit crab. And I just, I fell in love with it and I found every opportunity to do it. I grew up in California. I'm not a Texas native. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Orange County called Laguna Niguel. And I just started there. And it was just something that, you know, even though, I think my parents always kind of wished that I wouldn't become an actress or go into theater as a career field. Um, My mother and my father were both very supportive. And so I uh, had an incredible middle school teacher named Holly Felt. And she just, I had spent one year at a private middle school that was awful. There was no theater at that school. The kids were very entitled and wealthy and awful. Um, And I was miserable. And at the end of my sixth grade year, I told my parents, I was like, please let me go back to public school. Please, 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 please. And they did. And um, I had an incredible time at Miguel Hills uh, Middle School. And I just, uh, this, I had this middle school teacher that would just teach us Stanislavski and um, would teach us history and how to do a stage slap. And, uh, she would put on two shows every year and uh, I just fell madly in love with it. And then I continued on, um, until I was in, uh, in high school, I went to South Orange County School of the Arts. I was there for my freshman and sophomore year and probably a little more than halfway through my sophomore year, my parents let me know that my dad, uh, was laid off from his job and that he was being relocated to San Antonio, Texas. And I was like, what? Um, and so my parents felt terrible because my brother was off at college. I was the only one at home. And they, I think they, 
thought they were ruining my life. Uh, but I, it wasn't, it, it was actually probably one of the best things to happen to me. Uh, Orange County in Southern California can be a very materialistic place. Like some of the cliches are actually pretty apt. And so I, um, I, I was kind of trying to feel out like where I wanted to go to school and my parents were figuring out like, where are we going to move? So where Amanda goes to school is where we will move. And, um, I think for a moment there, I thought I wanted to be a horse girl. And so we went, um, and I shadowed a student at Bernie high school. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm a country girl. Uh, this poor girl, when I got there, uh, was crying in her advanced theater class because she had run over her cat on the way to school <laughs> out of out of her very long driveway. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Uh, and then I toured um, what was a very new performing arts school then, giving away my age, uh, is NISA, Northeast School of the Arts, which is a really big uh, fine arts magnet here in San Antonio. And I loved it. They had a musical theater major, which is what I just loved. And the girl who gave me the the tour and let me shadow her for the day, um, and she and I became really good friends. And then I also on that day met my best friend who I was literally just texting before we started this call. And I just learned so many cool things there. We went to the Texas Thespian Festival and performed 42nd Street. We, um, we didn't do one act play because it was a fine arts magnet. So I, I had no experience with one act play until I became a teacher. And um, it was just really cool. I Ken Frazier, who run or used to run the Vexler Theater here uh, in San Antonio, was my high school teacher. And when he left to start the Vex, I did an internship there for a year and just fell in love with the Frazier family. Tammy and their kids, they're just incredible and huge influences on who I became as a theater teacher. I think he's probably kind of like the person I wanted to be when I became a theater teacher. And then, um, you know, Nisa's really big on if you're here, you're going to study this in college. Like, that's the goal. And so I did the whole uni uh, Unifieds auditions, and I went to Chicago uh, with my best friend, Cassie, who I was just texting. And uh, we uh, had a great time, and I auditioned for a bunch of different schools. And I really wanted to go to the University of Michigan. Uh, that's where my parents went. That's where my brother went. And, of course, they have a phenomenal musical theater program. And I would just had my heart set on it. Uh, and I went and auditioned in person because my mom was like, well, we'll go visit your brother and you can audition in person. And it blizzarded that day. And I was miserable. And I got there and I realized I'd kind of gotten out of my like little bubble. And I was like, there are some freaking crazy talented people out there. I'm not getting into this school. And I didn't. But out of the unified auditions, I was really fortunate that I got accepted to USC. University of Southern California. And so I went to USC and I went back and I saw a lot of my friends from Orange County, one of my closest friends that I knew from first grade. She ended up going there too. And um, I loved it. I loved USC. I loved being back in LA. That's where I met my husband. I lived there for a couple of years afterwards. And that's really my experience in Los Angeles and USC really has shaped me a lot and how I view theater. Uh, and educational theater. Um, I I had some incredible professors who I repeat the things that they say they said to me to my students on a regular basis. Um, you know, and I just I had a great experience, and I graduated in two thousand and four. If you want to do the math, how old I am? And we're, we're the, um, I think we're the same age, eighty two, eighty two babies, yeah, eighty two babies, yeah. millennials. Um, and. I uh, I stayed in Los Angeles for a little while. I, I had some great experiences at USC. And then I said, I'm going to make a go of this. I'm going to be an actress. And I performed regularly at an improv studio there in uh, Westwood, Los Angeles called, at, at the time it was called Ultimate Improv, but now it's or now it's still called the improv space, I believe. I don't know if it's closed. But I, it, I think it's, uh, a, I think it's, I think I was just there in August to actually continue. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, so cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and J.D. Walsh had started the studio and I was just, I thought he just was so cool and he just knew so much and he really challenged us as performers and to be a part of a group that, uh, 
every week you're getting poured into and you're, you're, you're learning uh, and you get to perform weekly. It was just a huge education with some crazy talented people who have gone on to do some really cool stuff. Like they're all working actors, still making great money. And own, one of my friends just had a baby and uh, has multiple properties and, you know, was just on, um, oh gosh. He's going to kill me. I can't remember the name of the show. Oh, well. Uh, and, but, you know, it's just, it was cool to be there with all those people. It felt like a really unique time. And I was not getting a lot of work. I was doing a lot of extra work. I worked at Pottery Barn. Like I wasn't, it wasn't anything exciting. Um, and I was having a really hard time. It's something that really, really shaped me. And this is something that I take to Thespian Festival and I teach there because it shaped me so much, is I went to a workshop called Sam Christensen's Type Workshop. I'm sure that's not even the exact name. Um, but JD was like, Amanda, you're you're auditioning for the wrong roles. I had a professor tell me that too, of like, you think you're an ingenue, you're going out, you think you're like, you know, obviously I was like 21 at the time, 22, and looked the part. And so I thought that was it. And I sang for Soprano. I'm like, look, I'm I'm the ingenue. I'm the cute little uh, you know, girl next door. And JD was like, no, like you need to go to this type workshop and you need to find out what this is. And I went and it just totally blew my mind. I went with a few friends from the studio. We got a discount for all going together. And he basically taught us that there's no such thing as type. There's not, it's not that you're the ingenue, you're the funny best friend, you know, you're the villain, you're the leading man. That doesn't exist. Because I think a lot of times in high school, we think, oh, well, I always get cast as the mother, which I had my fair share of that, um, that somehow that means that's your type. Well, first Sam was kind of like, Type can't be that because you're then you can't age out of your type. Your type needs to be something that is true about you for all time. And so he believed that, you know, everyone had these myths that were basically uh, your life tells a story and there's something about your life story that people connect to and find familiar or want to follow. And you can't escape it in your performances. It's just, it's the essence of who you are. And like he gave the example that like, uh, Tom Hanks's type is I'm not prepared. Like all of his most iconic roles, uh, you know, Toy Story, you know, he's not prepared for a new uh, toy to come take over. Uh, Castaway, I'm not prepared to live on this island alone. Um, Forrest Gump, I'm not prepared to navigate the world with an ADIQ. Um, the list just goes on and on, but then exception proves the rule. There's some films that he has done very recently even that, you know, like Elvis, he played like the conniving mastermind manager and he got panned for it. People didn't like the performance because it went against this like myth that was true about him. And I, through the process, I realized that while I can exude some of this like cookie, silly, sweet, like ingenuity type stuff, I also at the same time kind of come off as reserved and kind of, you know, uh, quiet, uh, proper you know, a word that I was like, ah, no, not that. And so I started to kind of apply that. And as I started to apply it to my acting career, I started to get called back more. I started to see a little bit of work here and there. But I got to a point where I was listening. I was actually watching John Favreau had like dinners for five and I was watching it with my husband. And I can't remember who it was, but someone on there was talking about like, why do you do acting in LA? Like, why are you in New York? Why are you in LA? And everyone was like, oh, well, this is it. This is the epicenter. This is, you know, where you got to be if you're going to have a career. And he's like, I disagree. He's like, you can do acting theater anywhere if that's just what you love. He's like, if you love it, you can do it anywhere. He's like, if you uh, are here in L.A. or you're in New York, you're doing it because you want to get famous. That's what he was kind of challenging. I don't know, really totally firmly believe that. But it got me thinking of like, do I need to stay in L.A.? It is crazy expensive here. I want to have kids. I want to have a family. And at the time I was working uh, as a substitute teacher and I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. This is kind of fun. And so I was like, and that's subbing. Like subbing's miserable. Now that I'm a teacher, I'm like, Ugh, I don't think I could ever go back to subbing. Um, and so my husband and I decided let's move back to San Antonio. We could buy a house. And it's the house I'm sitting in right now. This was like 15 years ago. Um, and I started applying for jobs and I got into my alternative certification through A plus Texas teachers. And at the time it was a lot easier than it is now. We currently have an assistant director who's going through an alt cert. And I'm like, it was a lot easier when I did it. And I applied a lot of different places. I, um, 
I couldn't apply at the district I'm at now, Northside, because they don't take, they at the time didn't take alt certs. Uh, as we know, things have changed a bit. And I, but I, I applied at Southwest High School um, with Linda Adamy and came to know her later. She's fantastic. Um, but they wanted a tech director. And I got to be honest, that's it's never really been my jam. I do it okay. Ken Frazier taught me. Uh, I know how to use a drill really well. Impressed my professors in technical theater in college, but not really like my passion. Um, but finally, I interviewed at Memorial High School in the Edgewood School District, which is, there's been like court cases and Supreme all the way up to the Supreme Court uh, about how Edgewood is probably, if not the poorest, one of the poorest school districts in the state of Texas. It is Title I. And I went in there really naive. Um, there were probably like 12 teachers that started with me. And by the end of the year, me and one other teacher remained. It was different. And it just totally opened my eyes. I'd lived a very privileged upbringing. Um, you know, I grew up in Orange County, a very nice area. We lived in a very nice house. Um, and you know, then I went to USC. Like, the joke about USC is the University of Spoiled Children. Like, um, I just had no clue. And it just totally flipped everything that I knew about um, poverty on its head. And I loved it there. I, it wasn't, it was a crazy time. I taught there for five years and the first four years were really, really good. Um, in the fifth year, and I had a great principal, Bill Telford, um, who I have kept a little bit in touch with. And I worked with an incredible uh, speech director, Bob Root, and some other incredible people. And they had, Edgewood has a fine arts academy. So I also taught some classes at their fine arts academy for a few years, helped out with their musicals with Claudia Caso. She's still there. I admire her. Um, she's someone who would be cool to get on a podcast. Um, and uh, I, my last year, though, I had a horrible year. Um, I About halfway through the year, my principal pulled me in and he said, hey, Amanda, they're making cuts. This was the time when all of the money changed on the taxes and everyone made those big cuts. And he's like, they're pulling theater from this campus. And at the time, I only taught uh, three periods of theater and I taught three or four periods of speech. I didn't teach full-time theater. And he said, so I just want to give you a heads up so you can start looking for a job now. You're, I'm not supposed to tell you, but I I have a great respect for you and I want you to be prepared. And so I started applying. At then I was fully certified, obviously. And so I started applying um, to Northside, uh, which is where I currently work. And at the same time, I had two things happen. I had a student in my class who um, was definitely emotionally disturbed and started writing some very disturbing things in his journal. And I started to bring it to attention. And at the same time, he started threatening to kill me. And I reported it to administration. And he was suspended for three days and taken out of my class. And then nothing else was done. And he continued to try to make these accusations to me. And the only person, the only student who would, they were all on his side because they were like, Miss Pyle, you can't get him in trouble, was a student named Esther Burton. And she was like, I heard him say these things. I know that he has said it. I'm corroborating what Miss Pyle is saying. Um, and she is now my technical director at Taft. She ended up becoming a theater teacher. And But also at the same time, we started doing one act, uh, our one act, and we were doing Over the River and Through the Woods. Esther was in it. And we went to state. Um, at the very beginning, I thought, oh, man, this show ain't going to make it out of zone. <laughs> like, ooh, they don't even know their lines. Actually, on spring break, because our zone was after spring break, I sat there and I was like, y'all don't know your lines. We're, I'm canceling rehearsal. Why am I here? Why am I here? I could be enjoying my spring break. So could you. If you don't want to do this, I can't want it more than you. So I sent them home. And then they all went over to Esther's house and got out Nerf guns. And they ran their lines. And anytime one of them got the line wrong, they'd shoot them with the Nerf gun. They told me that later. And I was like, that's hilarious and kind of inspiring. Um and we went all the way to state and it was just absolutely wild uh, because they were still saying, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to lay you off and there's going to be no theater teachers. And I'm like, what? It's <laughs> like, okay. And by the time I got to Regent, the school district's tone changed a little bit. But at that point, I already had three offers from Northside. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to stay in this kind of toxic school district environment who also lets this kid who's threatening to kill me kind of just wander around campus and say whatever he wants to me. And, uh, but the crazy thing was, is that when we went to state, 
uh, Memorial has never gone to state in anything team. Not win one state, but attend anything team. And th the school's been open since the early 60s. And so during, it was right around, you know, state happens um, early May, or actually it was late in May back then. And so for Cinco de Mayo, they threw a parade and they had us in the parade with the kids. And it was just crazy to see that because we had signs of like, oh, Memorial's going to one act play state. And the people in the community being like, going to state? Oh, this is so cool. It was just like such a really cool community moment. Um, I feel forever bonded to those kids. Uh, and we went to state and we gave it our all, man. It ended early. Um, Esther won honorable mention, all-star cast, and one of our other actresses got uh, all-star cast. And it was a great experience. We placed last, though. Um, we made it all the way to state. And then we got there. And we were like, it was really stressful for the kids. It was so stressful. They just didn't, they didn't know how to handle it. And neither did I. Um, but then while I was at state, uh, Bill Telford, the principal, was with me as our administrator. And I got a phone, I got the phone call from Northside with, with another offer uh, for Taft High School. And I live so close to Taft. And a friend worked there, Michael Berger. And I was sitting there and I was talking to Bill and I was like, what do I do? I've, I've been offered three different campuses. Uh, they were all assistant jobs. Like none of them were head director. And he was like, you will not regret working at Taft. Tommy Garcia is the principal there. I used to work with Tommy. He's an incredible administrator. You'll never regret working with him. And I was kind of like, all right, that's it. I know Michael Berger. He's great. I live close to there. And I trust Bill about administrators. And so uh, I went to state, the school year ended, and I left. And I still have such an immense love for Memorial. It was the right choice for me. And then I started my time at Taft, and I've been there for 10 years. Um, yeah, so that's from little church choir Amanda up until about now. <laughs> well, that's a hell of a story, and well, well done, uh, well spoken. Uh, kudos to you. Ten out of ten. Um, so yeah, you and I have uh, similar paths as we've already established that we were born the same year. First of all, okay. I don't consider myself a millennial. I don't know if you consider yourself a millennial. I consider myself an elder millennial. Just okay. yeah, it's like right not Gen X. Right. It's like right on the. It depends on which website you look at. Or either Gen X or a millennial, but like the, yeah, the first millennials pretty much. But yeah. I just feel like that's a negative, anyway, whatever. Yeah, people uh, do have a lot of stereotypes about millennials. Yes, there are. Yes. and they, But it's also a long range. It's a wide range of ages. But uh, mm -hmm. so you, um, first of all, I was very, uh, I, I find it, my memory is not very good. Like I have certain memories of things that uh, I don't know why I remember those things, but mm -hmm. the fact that you could call up your roles as a kindergartner and first grader, I'm I'm very impressed by that. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It just like seared in my brain. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. it was yeah, it was great. Like I remember a couple things about my childhood, but what part I played. Uh, in certain things and and uh, uh, like I don't know I just I just don't remember that early um, that said one of the uh, like the music director currently for the Dulles High School musical which is where I was teaching for a long time was my elementary school choir teacher so like that I remember anyway it's yep. not a, it's not about me Amanda um, so you were born in Orange County one of my closest friends lives in Orange County now Um. Uh, and went to uh, Chapman. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, was was Chapman on your list, or is that too filmy for you? At the time, it was too filmy. I was very like, I'm a musical theater girl. Right. That's all I'm going to do. But then when I got to USC, like, why would I just pursue musical theater? The be One of the best film schools is there. So I became more of a film girl uh, at USC. Did you know, I'm just, again, it's a big, big campus. Did you know a guy named Chris Lane? By chance? No, okay. that uh, doesn't ring any bells. Well, he's not it is listening. a big school, though. Yeah, he's not listening, so I don't care. But um, uh, and then so you also mentioned. Uh, let's see here. A lot. Of, I wrote down everything that you mentioned that I wrote down had to do with like a school or a, a show. So you 
you mentioned Bernie, mm-hmm. um, Bernie High School. I'm assuming that's the same Bernie that Jack Black, like the movie's based, or the same town that the movie's based out of? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? No, I it's haven't. so good. It so feels good. like a crime. Yeah. Well, but, it is. Yeah. Well, I need to watch that. I mean, spoiler alert, it, it's about a crime. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's... <laughs> so, it feels like a crime, yeah, and it and is, is about a crime. A crime. It's a very good movie. Uh, I highly, 10 out of 10, recommend that too. Uh, and then you mentioned also 42nd Street, which which hit me hard because I did that show um, my seventh grade year at Welch Middle School uh, where Beyonce went. Anyway, I mention that every time I mention Welch. Um, nice. uh, and I was there with her. But uh, Ooh, for, that's yeah, a right. cool connection. I know. You can touch me next time we see each other. Um, so, <laughs> Get some of the Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> So, so 42nd Street is a massive show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, and you, you were in it? Yes. Um, I didn't get into NISA right away because they held their auditions in, like, March or something like that. Okay. And I was still living in Orange County. And so I auditioned again over the summer because they were still looking for people. And they do, like, a repertory audition. So okay. um, I auditioned and got into 42nd Street, not as a big part. I was, like, one of the penny dancers. Right. Uh, and but I loved it, and it was huge. It was a huge undertaking. I mean, if, if you've ever seen any of Ken Frazier's sets, he never does anything uh, that isn't really well built and right. really well done. Um, and there were tons of costumes. They rented the costumes from New York, uh, all sorts of cool stuff. And they were everybody was in it yeah. uh, at the school, and so it was just an incredible experience. But it was huge. And then we loaded it up onto a semi and two charter buses, and we drove it down to Corpus Christi and mm. performed it there. So can you tap dance? <laughs> I mean, it's a tad. <laughs> I don't mean now. Uh, Could you then? Um, no, I've never <laughs> taken uh, tap classes. Um, I'd taken dance classes when I was yeah. younger, and I took dance when I was at NISA. But uh, I, I learned enough to be passable right. in that. Right. And then we did like a medley the following year, and I was in nonsense, and I had to tap as Mother yeah. Superior. And so I learned the time step and a couple of other steps, but... Yeah, because Forty Second Street, it's 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 not like uh, what Shrek or like uh, uh, White Christmas where there's a tap mm-hmm. number. It's like all tap, like it's, all tap. Yeah, that's crazy. And so there were lots of other very talented yeah. dancers at the show. Not me. I was it's, more the singer uh, yeah. at the microphone backstage. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best. I think it's one of the best musical theater numbers ever. The just Forty Second, this song Forty Second yeah. Street. I think it's just one of the coolest. Uh, my tech tip this week is to dress your cables, uh, and by that I mean don't put hats and shoes and a nice button down on them. I mean when you're hanging lighting or sound equipment uh, above people's heads or really even on the ground too, you want to dress your cables, tie them up, don't wrap the pipe, don't tape them to the pipe, grab some tie line, that tie line will last you for years if used properly, throw a piece of tylon on every single cable and then tie your cables up to the pipe. What happens is, is you see lots of cables get ruined and not so much anymore because of LEDs, but cables belly down in front of uh, a Leco or down uh, over the, the back of a Fresnel or something and they burn up and they become useless. So if you tie them up to the pipe, Instead of wrapping the cables, also if you have moving lights, they could get caught in the moving light and destroy the motor of your moving light. So take the time to dress your beautiful cables, and that will alleviate so many problems. Enjoy the rest of the interview. Um, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get you chatting about OAP because again we have a similar experience where we both went to schools that didn't do one act plays. So uh, we'll get to that in a second, but you can start festering that in your head but uh, i have to say uh go blue i'm a big michigan fan um wow. so i know you didn't go to michigan and on go Trojans. right and there's some tension oh, yeah. that yeah there's uh, that's that had to have created a interesting household for you at what was that i don't it wasn't that long ago when when usc yeah. and, and michigan played um 
I mean, like, what's that? I just want you, as a, how as a fan, um, how was that? <laughs> my dad is a diehard fan yeah. of Michigan. And my my brother is too. My mom's kind of like, whatever, football. Um, she's like, I don't know why your, your father still is this excited about it. And I was like, I don't know. It makes him happy. Uh, but yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. My, my dad is a very gregarious, kind of fun-loving person. And he loved to razz me. But when I was there, it was the Pete Carroll era. So we were really good. And so it was always kind of easy to be like, hey, guys, we won. Um, I was actually at the Rose Bowl when USC played UT. It was a very sad day. That's another game that people yeah. in Texas love to rub in my Vince, face. Vince Young. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was rough. I took a picture of the scoreboard. Like, it's only like maybe five, ten minutes left. I took a picture of the scoreboard because we were way up. And then that photo because actually I had to print it out because I'm that old yeah. uh, haunts me to this day because then we ended up losing but there, I'm looking up this website there's a hell of a website that just compares the two schools um, oh really yeah so USC is uh, currently winning in the they've played 10 times and USC has won six of the 10 Ooh, just uh, but Michigan holds the biggest blowout between the two mm-hmm. and it was 49 to nothing back in 1948 anyway oh uh yeah so there you go michigan does have oh they both have two national championships so there you go okay uh enough about (laughs) enough about that but for some reason i i've always loved michigan and was always been rooting for them but that had to have also been and you mentioned the blizzard element but for somebody that really never went north uh (laughs) that had to like i don't even know why you would personally I feel like I'm judging you a little bit. Uh, why you would think that that would be a smart move for okay. like Orange County, also, San Antonio? I applied to NYU. I got waitlisted at NYU. I have a lot of Northeast schools. Yeah. And um, but my parents are from the Northeast. My right. parents grew up in Buffalo, and then they both went to Michigan. And uh, I lived in Michigan until I was well. I was well, I was born in I'm all over this. I was born in Farmington, New Mexico. Okay. Then yeah. when I was like one and a half, two, I think it was, we moved to Michigan. And then I stayed there until I almost turned five. And then we moved to California. And then I lived there for the majority of my childhood. And so I think I thought in my naive 17-year-old brain, like, I lived there as a kid. Yeah. My parents are from there. I'll be fine. And then I'm like going to like the dance, the ballet class being like, yeah. <laughs> my toes are frozen. How could I even point them? Um, so yeah, it was pretty it's pretty conclusive by the time we were done. I wasn't going to get in. And I don't know if I really wanted to go there. So, and uh, you just said your parents are from Buffalo. Does that make your dad a, a Bills fan? No. Okay. My dad's never really been into professional uh, Good. football. Okay. Uh, but yeah, everyone else on my mom, uh, like, because my, we still have family that live there and they're all yeah. huge Bills fans. Okay, good. Well, as long as your dad, it's more immediate to me because down here yeah. in Houston, you know, we, we kind of oh, okay. don't like the Bills, but um, <laughs> they, they were mean to us in the 90s. But uh, enough about sports. Uh, there is, I got to ask about USC uh, specifically. There's a Taco Shack that is outside uh, the campus, and I don't remember the name of the Taco Shack. Do you know? El Cholo. El Cholo. Okay. <laughs> it's it. Uh, now I don't remember much about my experience with the Taco Shack. I just remember uh, being outside of the USC campus and really needing tacos at the time, and it really <laughs> helped with the oh, yeah. feelings that I had at the moment, which were oh, yeah. uh, inebriation. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, <Same. laughs> I dated a girl that went to USC from Houston that that w- ended up going to USC, and I traveled uh, multiple times during the year to go see her and i just yeah. remember going to that taco shack but oh yeah, yeah. many a stories from el cholo yeah. but yes okay. <laughs> okay good i'm glad <laughs> i should i oh you know what maybe it's not el cholo i'd have to ask my husband i mean i wouldn't know i don't even remember but i know i know exactly where it is yeah. and i would always get the chili cheese fries which sounds like a terrible idea yeah now i can but at the see time, delicious yeah I can, I can definitely, great tacos. yeah, I can definitely see it. Cause it's like right outside the campus, but, um, yeah, good. Okay. So moving on enough about all that fun stuff. So, uh, you mentioned the a plus Texas teachers. I also went through a plus Texas teachers in the 10 days of Harry Wong and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, so school. yeah. And so I didn't, I guess I don't, I know now, uh, you know, they're, they're 
taking retired teachers out of retirement. That's oh, how yeah. bad they need it. But uh, I didn't know that it got harder. Um, what What is it? Because you mentioned that your assistant is going through it. What is, what is it about it that's getting more difficult? Do you know? So... I mean, what I remember, I remember the 10 days with yeah. A-plus Texas teachers. I remember watching the videos, and that was it. Like, you would go, some lady would talk, uh, you'd watch the videos, and then I don't even know if we had any sort of follow-up. No. And I remember I, a mentor came and observed me twice while I was teaching. I paid the monthly fees to them, and by the time we were done, we were done. Yeah. Well, yeah. he has had, in the first semester... I think he's had two or three observations with his mentor, which is more than I ever saw my Texas teacher's mentor. Um, He has all of these video modules that he has to do, plus I think four or five projects where he has to like, and then he has to write a bunch of lesson plans. I mean, he's writing lesson plans anyway. Um, A piece of advice I got uh, when I started mentoring another teacher was when you're a first year teacher, uh, do all of the paperwork because you need to learn how to do it. But when you get older and you start cutting corners, like when I cut corners, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Because as we get older, we kind of know where we can skirt things. And so he's doing all of those modules and things. And it's just hours. And he was getting a little overwhelmed the other day and he was showing me everything they had to do. And I was like, whoa, I would be overwhelmed too. And so we kind of sat down and we were like, what can we feasibly do together or show, work together to get done? But it was a lot. It was probably like, Oh gosh, I don't know. Yeah. Like over 60 hours of videos. Wow. Yeah, I I mean I remember like you just described it being rather somewhat of an easy path uh when you're when you're doing it back in I did mine in 2007 I think because we're the same age, but I was in college a little longer than I should have been. So, um that's, you know, but I just remember uh the only stress was the content test. And yep. and then a year after you had already been teaching the pedagogy uh, test, oh, yeah. which was a pain. That was hard. That was not easy. That but, was hard. Yeah, because it, it was all ideal situations. So, oh, yeah. Which so. was confusing. Because yeah. you're like, it'll never be like this. No, and that's what I don't understand about it. But that's, again, another topic. But, um, okay, so one-act play. Uh, I haven't had a good one-act play conversation with somebody in quite some time. Because yeah. I'm removed from it being in private school now. Um, and just as a contest manager, but that doesn't, I don't have to compete. I don't have the stress of competition and I love it now, uh, because Mm -hmm. it brings me back to my roots of going to a performing arts school and not competing, but only hosting, only being there to like see things, but we never had to do things. Right. Um, so what, I mean, what was that first experience like for you and kind of talk about how you have sort of grown as a director in this world yeah. of one act oh, play wow. competition? Um, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, I had never seen a one act play competition. All I knew was that at Memorial, they, I mean, when I was there, Memorial's football team had been on like a, mostly like a three or four year losing streak. Like it was, I think it was close to five years. Like they just never won a football game. And so the expectations for me to win at one act play were very low. Um, I, th- I think they said, you know, like like five or six years ago, someone had gotten to like area or something with um, uh, Man in the Moon Marigolds. I think that's the title. The yeah, 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 that, yeah, that long one. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I started looking at scripts, and I, I mean the the scripts that I had were insanely limited. Like there was no library memorial. So I got on the UIL website and my principal, who was a big speech and debate coach, he taught at MacArthur with Luis Munoz um, at the same time. He was like, I don't know, it's on the website. Get the handbook, print it out, read it. Which like reading the handbook does, it tells you all the rules, but it doesn't prepare you for what it's going to be. And so uh, we were competing. I competed against Omar Layaus, who now is a good friend. Uh, he was at Edison High School, and it was at Edison High School. And I was like, it's a one-act play competition. I'm going to look at all the proved one-acts. I have, like, four kids in my program who are committed to doing this after school. I need to pick something small. And I found this little play called Finders Keepers. And it just – it seemed per- perfect. It was three people. It was a husband and a wife. And the neighbor who lost the money and the wife found it and the husband wanted her to return it and she wouldn't. And I was like, oh, this is fun. This is a living room play. I can do this. This isn't hard. I can folk. 
you know, I always use like gymnastics as a reference point. I'm like, this is my very first vault. I'm going to do the simplest vault. And so I did. And I was like, and I, a bunch of people saw it and they were like, oh, this is actually really good. Like they were like surprised. And I went to the competition and I had come from NISA and USC and all this other stuff. I, I was used to things being difficult, but I was also kind of used to winning, like being good at stuff. And so I went and I competed. I don't even remember the name of our judge. And it was still one person at that point. And I, we did the play and everybody was like, oh my gosh. Like other schools were like, oh, normally Memorial comes and it's 18 minutes. It's not even fully memorized. This is great. And so I thought, we're advancing. This is going to happen. And we didn't. We got alternate. And my lead actor got best actor though. And I lost my mind. I just, I let the kids go. They got picked up. They went home and I started sobbing and I, I cried for a really long time to a point where my husband was like, what, what do I do? Like, she's still crying. She's never cried this long before. I cried outside of Edison high school to the point where the judge's wife saw me and came up to me and was like, Oh honey, it's just a one act play. Like, it'll be okay. And I'm like, I know. And I got it together enough to go home to then cry more in the bathroom. Um, but the thing that he said seared into my brain. And I wish I could remember what his name was. I probably, if I went back and looked at all my stuff, but he was like, you didn't pick a play that was challenging enough for your actors. Those are really good actors. And they were. Peter Ramos was the student. And he was incredible. And it was a really easy play. I actually still use the play in my theater one class as their midterm because it's not a hard scene, but it's very relatable of just kind of this disagreement. Um, and I was like, oh, I got to pick something that has more literary merit. And so I started, so I started to just do that. And every year I would take copious notes on myself and be like, what did I learn that I learned? Okay. I learned that I need literary merit. Um, I'd go to the next show and we did baby with the bathwater. And we, I mean, any time, any money that I spent on those shows at Memorial was completely out of my own pocket. I didn't have any kids. My husband worked at the time too. And I was like, all right, well, I spend about $1,500 a year just on school stuff. Like it is what it is. And so I, uh, we did baby with the bathwater and a few other shows. And then I think it was, no, it was my third year. We made it to area with, um, the marriage of Bet and Boo. And I had more kids, so I could fill out as a bigger cast. Um, and we got to area, and we did pretty well. Um, but one of the things that I remembered is, you know, I'm very obviously white. And all of my students were Latinx. And we had a judge who said, and the, we had a horrible opening. They didn't know how to do the sound uh, at the new board. And apparently the previous school had turned all of the levels down. And my sound student, we didn't have a sound anything. At Memorial, it was a cafetorium with no lights and no sound. And so we ran with lighting trees and we practiced on the floor of the auditorium, cafetorium. Uh, you know, I know a lot of middle schools go through that, but I didn't have any lights. Like there was no lights to turn up and down. It was just the fluorescence over us. And so he got there and he had, he'd never even seen a light, a soundboard. And he was like, I don't know. Uh, all my students always would do like push levels. They never recorded cues because I didn't know how to record a cue. We didn't have a board that could record cues. So um, we, the show started and it was a sound, it was a music cue and it was in blue and the sound cue didn't play. And all of my actors froze. They just completely froze until one of my lead actresses who played Bet, they were supposed to sing. And she started singing a cappella. And everybody was like, yes, yes. And they all joined in. And it really, I learned at that point, beginnings and endings. The beginning of your show is great. The end of your show is great. People are more inclined to ignore when things go in the middle. Uh, if you've got a wow, clean, good ending and a wow, clean uh, beginning, uh, the middle isn't quite as important. And so we had a huge stumble at the beginning. And he told me that, which was cool. But then he also told me that my students played it, uh, and pardon me, but I'm just repeating what he said, to Mexican. And I was just livid. And I talked to Esther about it later because, you know, she's like my little sister at this point. Um, she works with me and she's been working with me for the last five years. And I asked her about that. And I was like, that was a pivotal moment for me. Was it, what, do you remember that? And she goes, oh yeah, 
I remember that because I really felt like I didn't belong. And I, oh, it made me so mad. Uh, and so the next year, I think in a little bit of a reaction to that, I did um, Anna in the Tropics. But it, I didn't have the kids for it. So that year I kind of learned, I picked a show. I had a Santiago, but I didn't have the rest of the cast really. And we we made it out of zone. We didn't get out of district. But then the next year I was, I wanted to do In the Blood, which is a very, very, very dark show. Yeah. And I sent it off and I got it back and it said, you can do this if your administrator explicitly approves. You have to be make sure your your administrator's on board with this. So I went and talked to Bill, and he was like, I'm leaving too, so I don't want to make any waves. Pick something better. And so I was like, I already cast it, which you're not supposed to do, but I had done. And so I was like, I have six actors. What show is there that's not going to make any waves that has six actors? And Joe Brown at Jefferson had done Over the River, and he'd retired. So I asked him for his cutting, and I said, all right, here we go. We started doing it. But one of the things I found is that it was very therapeutic because it's all about family. And I went to a clinic with Luis Munoz and we were not ready. We hadn't finished blocking. We had scripts in hand and it was not that far from contest. And so we just showed him about half of the show and most of it, they had their scripts in the hand. So Luis didn't really have a whole lot he could tell us. But one of the things he said is that that show is so done because it connects with people because it is about family. It doesn't matter where the family comes from. But he said, everyone plays to the comedy. They play it like it's a farce. It's not. It's a it's a story about family that's a true story that's real that happens to have some really funny moments in it. And so I played it like that. And uh, we needed to have some set dressing and the kids were like, they went home and they found stuff to put on the stage. One of the girls brought her family Bible. We put it on the coffee table. We wrapped it up every time we left. Uh, we took the sofa out of the faculty lounge. And uh, a teacher had these really cool green armchairs. Their dog had chewed up the ends. I just sawed them off and sanded it down and because uh, it was a little wood end. And we used those chairs and we found an old table and we just... Whatever we could find and we could steal out of the faculty lounge, we put it on stage and they wore the clothes that we had or out of their own wardrobes. But we just were really committed to telling that story. Um, and it took us all the way to state. It just, it was just wild. Um, and then I got there and I knew I was leaving. I hadn't told the kids yet, but I knew I was leaving and I was standing on stage with Luis. And he, I got up there and you get the plaque for like being there. And he hands me the plaque. And uh, we're taking the photo and I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to do this again. And he goes, he goes, yeah, Amanda, um, most people who have made it here once will make it here again. And I don't even know if that's true, but it made me go, oh, I already did this once. I could do this again. And so then I, I left and I went to Taft and my principal was like, she just went to state in one act play, blah, 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 blah. And I was the assistant director. And so we had these big plans for one act. And we didn't get out of zone. I went from what was then uh, 4A, which is now 5A, to 6A, which was a big, big, big difference. And uh, I didn't get out of uh, zone for three years. And I didn't get out of district for five of the years that I'm at Taft. It took a long time. And I got to state again in 2021 during the pandemic. And it was, it was, I don't have to tell anyone, it's, it was a weird time. But it was just, I don't know, Charlie's, uh, my assistant's uh, mentor teacher from Texas Teachers says, uh, eat the elephant one bite at a time. And that's like my favorite phrase right now, because it's kind of morbid, which is funny in and of itself. But um, I was very much like, well, I learned this this year, I'm going to do a little bit better next year. I learned this is where I'm going to live. And incrementally, over 15 years, I'm in my 15th year of teaching, it all adds up. And so in 2021, it was it was a hot topic whether or not you were going to do one act play. And I was not in the majority um, when I decided to go forward with one act for Taft. I We had done Curious Incident in 2020. We'd gotten out of zone. I loved the show. I felt like I had the right people. And most of them were returning in 2021. And Paula said, you can use the same script. If it was approved then, you can use it now. 
And I said, that's it. I said, I have the set. I have a great concept. I have most of the same kids. We'll re-audition everybody uh, because I don't know if they're still the right kids. Um, and I've already blocked this show once. So I can take what I already had and I can improve it uh, because we were then told by our district, if you were going forward and only two schools in Northside decided to go forward out of like 11, um, they said, you have, no one can touch. You have to stage everything six feet apart. You have to be wearing masks and you have to uh, take all these other precautions. And so I said, well, let's take the show that I had and take that initial blocking and just tweak it to be further apart. And let's wear masks and uh, go about it that way. And at the time, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to win. I'm a very competitive person. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but it wasn't about winning. That, that was the first year where I was like, I don't really care if we win. I just want to keep these kids together. They are suffering at home alone. And they come once a day for rehearsal for two hours. And they get to feel semi-normal again because when I got them they were all like in shell shock and I we I just prayed every night that we would get to continue this journey because I loved having them together and I I was missing it and we did I don't know there was just I don't know some sort of shows just have a magic about them I don't know I don't know how to describe it and we we made it to state now it was not the same journey we started at district then we went to by district. Then we went straight to region. There was no area, and then and then we went to state. And then at state, it wasn't even in Austin. It was in Waxahachie. Um, I we got there, and it was the rehearse for an hour, leave your set on stage, and then start your show. And so it uh, state was two days. We were the first show to go on the second day, which I've always, I, I don't really, I'm not on the UIL Facebook one act play directors group because it stresses me out. I see other people being like, my competition is tomorrow. I still haven't picked a play. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like my stress dreams. Um, and I, we got there and we had our hour rehearsal and it went really well. And, uh, but you know, my kids were they had never been to state before. This was the second time that I had been there and it didn't look like I had been before. The last time I was at Bass Concert Hall and they did the show and it was great. It was probably one of the best runs they had ever done. But then at the end of the show, we had built in a, there was a last little tag scene and we were like, if we're, that tag scene is an, a minute and a half. If we don't have a minute and a half left in the show, Logan, the stage manager, you cut the show. We just end on the scene where he gets the dog and we had this little animation that appeared and we play, we would roll the animation and we would go. Well, we get to that scene and there's this real long lingering blackout. And then all of a sudden the animation goes and I'm like, oh, we're ending. And then all of a sudden the lights came back up and I was like, mayday, mayday. Like we have like maybe 45 seconds left. Um, what's going on? And I see my student Madison come out as Siobhan and I see Christopher come out and they're on opposite sides of the stage, downstage uh, left and downstage right, which was the beginning of their blocking. And all of a sudden I see Siobhan, she just goes, Christopher. And then the lights went out. And I was like, oh my God, what happened? Um, and I get backstage and I immediately go to my stage manager. I'm like, Logan, Logan, oh my gosh, what happened? He goes, the comms didn't work. We weren't, we had, he had not tested them. I had not thought to say something. I very much learned a lesson that year. We now travel with our own wireless comms. Um, and he, he wasn't used to it. It wasn't, our, we don't really use comms very much at home because our comm system is old and not great. Um, and so he didn't know how to operate it because Waxahachie is a beautiful space with new system. And someone had turned it completely down at some point because it was working at the very beginning because he was able to take the calls. Um, but at some point it went out and then no one thought to talk, ask the site crew how to fix it, which makes me go, well, training for future years. Um, and uh, the only person on comms that was working was my light board op. And Alexis knew the protocol and she started taking the contest manager's calls and responding because Logan wasn't. And uh, she saw them come out and she knew we were going to go over time and she faded the lights like it was a choice. And people who knew the show knew we ended early. And, uh, but people in the audience who didn't know the show, like my academic team came and she was like, oh my gosh, it was beautiful. And we we're all panicking because we had ended early. And I was like, that's it. 
that's it. It's over. We're not going to win. It's done. Um, I was convinced that we we're going to come in last again. And uh, we drove home. We decided let's go. Let's not take this Zoom call because the, the awards are on Zoom uh, in the auditorium there at Waxahachie because they were inviting people. And I was like, uh, let's go home. And so we drove back to Taft because that's where we'd done all of our awards before previously. And we get there and we get all dressed up and we wait. And we wait, we wait, and we wait. And it was supposed to start at like seven. It's now almost nine o'clock and we haven't started. We're all just sitting in this call. So it goes and they announce um, the different awards. So a few of my kiddos won different acting awards. And then they announced uh, best performer. And my Christopher, Ethan Holland, won Best Performer. And uh, and then he also won the Samuel French Award. And I'm sitting there going, hey, maybe we didn't do that bad. <laughs> maybe ending early is not the end of the world. And uh, they announced, uh, you know, second runner-up. It wasn't us. They announced first runner-up. It wasn't us. And at that point, I was like, oh, no, there's no way we're going to win. We ended the show early. And then they announced us, and we all, it was silent for probably like five seconds because all of us were just in complete and utter shock. And we were cheering. We were so excited. And my stage manager came over to me, and he gave, he is not, he's a, a man of few words. And he gave me the biggest hug he had ever, ever given me. And you could just feel the relief because I think he thought he had ruined the show. And he hadn't. It still worked. Um, and we won with a one, two, seven, two. And so, uh, and then, you know, that, that was just kind of a crazy year. And, you know, I love one act. Uh, I, I've worked with people who have said that they don't see, uh, the educational merit in one act because art shouldn't be competitive. And I, I get that. Um, but I also, one act has taught my kids so many things. And I feel like by competing the way that we do, it's brought a level of recognition to what we do uh, that only can be achieved in a competition like that. Because when we went off to state, our campus threw us a pep rally like they would have the football team. And it was just so cool to experience. Uh, and so I, I'm a big believer in one act play. Minor wisdom.